these beautiful twins are very connected to a deadly presence. Betty's there every time I close my eyes. I don't see him because I don't believe in him. But she's beginning to see the fright. It's my dream and he got you. So they trade places only to find twice the terror. Lisa. <laughs> on the next Nightmare on Elm Street, Freddy's... Welcome back to the Boiler Room. Uh, this is Burning for Springwood, a Freddy's Nightmares retrospective. I am one of your hosts, Gary, and with me, as always, is Mike Merriman. How you doing, sir? I am doing well, ready to get back into some Freddy's Nightmares, uh, for better or worse. Yeah. Suzanne's here. How you doing, girl? Uh, just kind of tired, but wondering if I watched Mother's Day on Mother's Day. Was that planned or just happy coincidence? Uh, was it, would it be a happy coincidence? I don't know if it's that <laughs> happy, you know. Unless you, like, want to torture yourself or something. Oh, I think we all like some self-torture. <laughs> uh, but yeah, tonight we're, we're here to discuss uh, episodes 7 and 8 of the first season of this wonderful, wonderful program. Since uh, this is an old show, so there's no new news, there's no new Freddy news, there's no new anything, so... Nothing to talk about in that realm whatsoever. We're going to dive right into this episode, which is episode 7. Sister's Keeper uh, premiered November 19th, 1988. Uh, this is, again, directed by Ken Wiederhorn, who we discussed on uh, previous episodes. Who, um, yeah, he, yeah, he, he directed Return of the Living Dead Part 2 and stuff like that. But uh, shockwaves. Yeah, that shot. I didn't see shockwaves actually. How have you not seen shockwaves? So it's on the list, I guess, Suzanne. That's uh, that's, that's um, zombies, right? Nazi zombies at the one. Nazi zombies. Cushing, Peter Cushing. Yes. Okay. And John Carradine. I guess I have to see this then. One of these... Next time you come over. Okay. Yeah, this is a plot synopsis for this. And this sequel to the pilot episode, the twin daughters of the cop who killed Freddy are now being haunted by Freddy, so the twins plot a way to get Kruger out of their dreams for good. With a whole lot of, you know, sibling twin rivalry, and not so much weird twin stuff. But, uh, yeah, your creepy twins are back from that first episode, and the one's kind of a slut, and that's fine. But uh, I'm gonna kick it to Suzanne first and ask her what she thought of Sister's Keeper. Oh, this is one of those that suffers from what we've talked about, I think, every episode. It's 40, what is it, 42, 44 minutes long. A nice, concise 25 minutes would have made this episode so much better. It, for me, this one is, the story continues, and it's still a decent story, but there is just so much extraneous bullshit. There really is. Oh, he's from the 60s. He knows how this stuff works. And then when they flash his office, there's a fucking tie-dye t-shirt. 
okay, so I guess a tie-dye t-shirt signifies the 60s and hippies, and he knows all that metaphysical stuff. Still, it's it, it's a decent episode. It's one of the few that doesn't suck out loud. The The expanded time frame makes it drag. I'm just going to keep this one short and sweet. But yeah, it's just the expanded time frame has made made it so draggy. They're talking. They're doing the twin thing. They're talking. They're doing the twin thing. You're a slut. We changed places. I told mom that I was you and blah, 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 blah. And I know how much you love your twin trope. This only, one is... Only when it's especially weird. You know, this is just kind of like them being catty in a way. Yeah. One's popular. One's just kind of a spaz. And they literally look nothing alike. I don't know. I just, this one, like I said, for my biggest problem with that episode is just there's interesting points, but they get sucked under how long the episode was. Like I said, 25 minutes. This would have been clear, concise, and a great episode. 45, it's, it, it's draggy, and there's so little there. I mean, it's, the, the, there's very little substance. And I'm just going to leave it at that. I may add something at the end, but that's kind of where I sit with this episode. Cool. Mike? All right. So I think this is maybe besides the pilot, which worked as like a a prequel story, well, it was a prequel story. I think this so far into the series might be the most Nightmare on Elm Street movie-like episode. One, because obviously Freddy's in it, but also... Because, you know, if you strip down what's going on, I mean, it's basically, you know, they're having nightmares and Freddy's in it and he's causing mayhem. So unlike most of the episodes where Freddy's just a host or he, you know, he might pop up for a scene out of context in this one, he's actually, you know, in it, in the, in that role of, you know, being a killer and stuff. Uh, I, I thought the episode was okay. It was decent. I, man, the, one of the problems for me is, the twins, the actresses were kind of awful. And they, they kind of came <laughs> off like high school play, like overacting. Um, where like every line they said was just so overpronounced and overdone and like over dramatic every single thing they said. And I was just like, girl, settle down. Like not every line needs to be delivered like that. Um, but overall, I thought it was interesting. Like, I liked how they played with, like, the tw- the twins gimmick and how, um, you know, a little uh, – at first, at the beginning, I thought they had a little Corsican Brothers thing going on, if you're familiar with that movie. Like, because, yes. like, when the one twin was making out with the boyfriend, it looked like the – almost like the other twin was feeling it, like, in her sleep because she was, like, rubbing her own face and stuff. So I was like, oh, is that going to be, like, the, the major gimmick of this? But it – it seems like they didn't really like keep going back to that. It they really kinda... doesn't go anywhere. No. <laughs> yeah. That's the problem. It's just it, none of the things are fully realized. Your ball, your balls deep in the eighties, and which you know you you got Tomax and Zambot and GI Joe. I feel my brother feels, you know, and she feels what her sister feels apparently, and it just doesn't really go anywhere except for the mm-hmm. fact that hey, you got mauled in a dream. It look you got I got mauled and, and not not you know the sister has the claw marks, but guess what? The boyfriend's a little handsy, you know. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, you know. 
It looked like they were randomly throwing in tropes from like Nightmare on Elm Street movies, but they didn't really commit to anything. And so, you know, as I was watching it, I was like confused and like why they didn't stick with certain things or like new things would be introduced. But, um, you know, there, when it comes to Freddy Krueger himself as a character, it's for me, at least it's almost impossible for it to be bad. So just for that aspect alone, I'm giving, you know, I'm not going to give an actual grade yet, but I'll say that, you know, the episode was okay. Like that. I won't, I'll, I'll rate it later. Fair enough. Yeah. We, we discussed some stuff already about this one, but a lot of Mike say a lot of stuff really doesn't go anywhere. And a lot of stuff, by the time you get there, you can just care less about like when they're, doing their psychic twin team up and the dream. It's just, mm-hmm. you, you can care less at that point if they live or die. And the whole spiel with it, 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 there's something that looks really bad, but that's every episode. It's made for TV, but, ah, uh, Freddy's mechanical arm in this episode is, if you think those arms, like, in the, that that long shot in the alley with the arms sticking out and the first number <laughs> Street is stupid, Wait till you see Mecha Neck, Mecha Arm, uh, I'm sorry, for Freddy Krueger in this episode. It's yeah. it's a real mean, shit show. You mean Go Go Gadget Freddy Arm? Oh, yeah, 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 you got it, you got it, yeah, 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 it's perfect. I mean, you can almost hear the gears turning. <laughs> if, it's gonna, uh, if it's gonna look like shit, why, like, linger on that shot for so long? That shot's a good 45 seconds of this shitty effect. Whereas later on, you know, once the twins had, I think they had control of the situation, you know, if you don't believe him, he doesn't exist, bullshit, you know, he fades away. Of course, he's not really gone, because the one sister gets sucked inside of the couch. They chose to cut away from that, though. Like, you see, like, her flailing on the couch, you see, you see the little blood spurting out, but then it switched to a side view of the couch, of her getting sucked on the couch. They didn't choose to stay on that shot, but they chose to stay on Go-Go Gadget Freddy with the fucking arm going on, and it looked really bad and and people talk about it and this is the point where freddy was becoming cartoony in those movies but this this is the worst this is worse than anything that freddy's dead ever did or nightmare five ever did this 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 stupid mechanical arm and uh there's there's a little stuff that i love about this episode though for one thing it, it goes all the way through to the end it doesn't have like this meandering thing like hey, hey we end this spot here but here's the minor character thing and we're going to give them a storyline for no good reason. And the next episode does that, guys, by the way. This, this is a spoiler of upcoming talks. Um, it, it's cohesive. It goes all the way through. So that makes it a much better episode than most. And uh, there's the parts with um, the boyfriend that just wants to fuck the sister because she's a twin. That I mm-hmm. love it. That's a, that's a trope that I love. It's like, oh, sexy twins. I wonder if the other three were like, why the fuck would you think that if they're fucking sisters? It's it's really weird that you think that your the sister would like to have like a sexual congress with the boyfriend while, while the other sister is involved. And this guy's like, hey man, this is like those letters to penthouse and whatever he says. Oh God! So, so wonderful pervy boyfriend in in this episode uh, gives us some extra points for me because he's so fucking cheesy. And of course, the one guy pining after the one the, the um, merit is the, the 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 sister that's you know the 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 the, the psychic link to Freddy, I guess. Mm-hmm. She, she has a potential lover that plays guitar songs for her, which is another stupid trope that I love. Oh God! 
Yeah. Oh yeah, the guitar playing teenager. It's really oh, bad, bro. It's really acoustic bad. guitar. Oh yeah. Acoustic I, I've guitar. lived that trope. Let's never ever go there again. You know, have you ever been to like the high school kickbacks or parties or hangouts where there's always the guy that brings his acoustic guitar and randomly just sits in the corner playing like three notes? <laughs> oh, I, I've lucked <laughs> out. Oh yeah, my favorite way to deal with that. Have you? Do you remember Animal House? Yes. Hmm. I gave my Money. love a cherry that had no stone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I've, I've, I've always had that the, shit. I've always had the luck of uh, hanging out with friends that were actually in band. So if I was really drunk, really high, I'd just start playing the blue album from Weezer for no good reason. With everybody start singing <laughs> songs. <laughs> I've been to those parties in a while, but you know those those were good times of what I can remember. But uh, <laughs> back to uh, Sisters Keeper. Um, yeah, you're right, Mike. They, they are not actresses, but you need, you need that cheesy factor in, in an episode like this. And they're really shit, but I think it's, it's really, it really helps the episode, makes it easy, makes it easier to swallow. And yeah, like, like you said, a lot of Freddy in this. So you got, you got to love that. This is the one that feels the most like a, a Nightmare on Elm Street movie, which is not a very good one, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll kick it back to Suzanne and say, Hey, Suzanne, anything else, anything else you want to say about Sister's Keeper? And what is your rating? Um, honestly, it, I have to admit, for like I said, I just think it drags. I think the 45-minute format really hurts a lot of these episodes. But still, it's it's from beginning to end, it's a cohesive story. And you do have like a lot of Freddy. It's not good, Freddy. But you do have a lot of Freddy, in which is supposed to be the basis of the shows. So this one's pretty decent. Um, you know what? I'm actually gonna give this one a not ready for prime time, bitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, gotcha, Mike. I mean, if you want to see Freddy Shreddy the guitar, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, I do think it's kind of cool that this is like. Uh, follow up to the pilot with the twins, the same characters. I I was looking through the episode guide on Wikipedia, and there's for being an anthology series, there's actually like a handful of episodes that are like part twos to various episodes. So we're gonna run into this again um, at various times through the series that um, a couple episodes actually relate to each other. So that's kind of cool because you don't get that a lot with anthology shows. So um, that'll be something to keep an eye on in the future. But overall, you know, I would say the weaknesses of this episode are aided heavily by lots of Freddy. So, um, you know, I'll I'll go ahead and say not ready for prime time, bitch. Oh my gosh. That's all I forgot our ratings. Yeah, everything they said, you know, it's it's, uh, it's good stuff. It's a good episode for, for what it is. I, I wouldn't say watch the first one and then watch this one because they go together, but just by, like, that one small thing, yeah, Freddy killed her father! Shit, you know, like, yeah, okay. No fat guy eating fried chicken in this one, though, so there's, there's a, uh, yeah. <laughs> it gets a fuck the prime time, bitch. It's, it's up there, you know. And, uh, yeah. We're going to move on to the next one. We're not even gonna take a break. This was not very good, people. It's episode. <laughs> it's episode eight. It's called Mother's Day. Billy hates his stepfather and his new home. 
This house has been empty since the Freddy Krueger thing. But he really likes the new neighbor. No one to take care of you. And when their wild party gets out of control, so does Daddy. <clears throat> now he's the new head of the family. The honeymoon is over. On the next Nightmare on Elm Street, Freddy's Nightmares. It uh, premiered November 26, 1988. It was directed by a guy named Michael Lang, who did a whole lot of television that's way better than this show, including Riptide. Remember Riptide, Suzanne? I know you do. Oh, yes, I do. Yeah. I used to love Riptide. Yes. Thank you, NBC. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this, uh, well, this one has a, a star of the time, I guess, because she was in a couple things, including Night of the Creeps, Jill Whitlow. I'll talk about her white pants pretty soon, because those are sexy. But, uh... Your plot synopsis of th is this, of this episode, when Billy's mother and new stepfather, rocking an ascot, go on their honeymoon, he meets neighbor Barbara, who convinces him to throw a party that proves to be fatal. Meanwhile, a radio psychologist finds herself in hot water when she gives her callers bad advice. See what they do? This is the same episode. This isn't in two parts, people. But, um, Mike, tell us about Mother's Day. Oh, this episode was a chore to get through. It's kind of confusing because the, the, the couple that, so the, there's, it's, it's definitely another one that feels like a tale of two halves, but some of the characters from each have like halves intertwine with each other in the end, like almost like they try to wrap it around. But by the time that happens, you're like, what the, like, what the hell is going on here? And why did like the main characters switch from the neighborhood boy and girl to like this radio host? And I mean, obviously, you know why, because <laughs> spoiler, one of the main characters dies halfway through. So obviously you got to transition it off. Um, yeah, the, this oh God, this episode Um so I guess we, you know, we start off with the kid and the, or the, the, the guy, and he has like a, an overbearing, like stepfather, borderline abusive. Um, um, and he's like, the, the guy accidentally destroys his video camera or something. And, you know, the stepdad's always looking for excuses to like beat on him or, you know, kick him out or just tell him how awful he is. The mom is like, almost like, passive aggressive because she'll start yelling at him but then when the stepfather like starts going too far she acts like oh no don't hurt him even though i was kind of encouraging it up until you actually started to do it uh then you have like the stereotypical like girl next door that's like new and uh we get it's funny because like obviously they're not going to show like actual nudity, but she got pretty like topless, like in it. And I was like, I forgot like in the eighties, you would, in a, like a lot of these horror anthology shows, you would actually get like, you know, kind of like that borderline partial nudity where obviously they can't show like what HBO could, but it would seem like they would kind of push that limit. And I was actually watching this episode at work. And when that scene came on where in the bedroom, I had to like, pause it and like fast forward because i was like yeah this might you know it's not you know we're all adults but you never know if the wrong person at work sees it so um there's that and then like the the death when he falls out the window and i guess a stepdad has a heart attack and i i'm still cracked me up the most about the first half of this episode was just the random bear trap 
in the house. Well, well, if you see a bear trap, we learned this from Strong. If you see a bear trap, you know it's going to come into play, and it does. Yeah, it's just like, why is there randomly just a bear trap out? But be you know, be some kind of big game hunter or something to set that. Probably <laughs> uh, had so. Rocky and Bullwinkle on the wall. Yeah, and when the when the mom's like, I told you to put it away, as if like, why would it never not be put away <laughs> like it seems weird but yeah and then we transition to the second half of the episode and there because there's a radio dj host that kind of is in the whole episode but she really becomes the main character in the second half um and i god i don't know it i'm just gonna pass it along because maybe someone will help me make sense of what i was seeing <laughs> no it don't, it don't make no sense but suzanne what did you think about this day all right, well, I'm going to stick with pretty much everything Mike said on the first part. It just, for me, my problem, it was just so convoluted. Who's dead? Did they really die? Is everybody dead? Oh, and mom's a gold digger. She's a gold digging hoe. <laughs> I don't think there's we're, we're going to have any argument here. She wasn't interested in a lot of money. They, they, he bought this fucking, he bought Nancy's house, essentially. So they got her on the cheap, this, this yeah. stepdad. Yeah. yeah, and you know, it's everything in the first part was so stereotypical. It was. And honestly, I agree with Mike. You got like seriously, you got like full side boob, hence nipple. Yeah. I don't think you got side boob. She was just kind of like hanging off to the side there. You didn't. No, I mean, no, there boob. was, you got some serious side boob minus yeah. nipple. I'll have to hit yeah. pause and find out because, you know, it, 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 <laughs> I'm that kind of perv, right? Yeah. It, it, it was like the, where they, place the arm just to block enough but hey gary if you have the ability to go frame by frame although i don't know where you could find a good enough transfer of these that you could actually do that with because most of what i'm watching are look like they're vhs rips or like the chiller chiller rips off the chiller network now michael we've all watched that television station and says that a, that a knee or a nipple couldn't tell, <laughs> <you know. laughs> well anyway part uh, two this was in the heyday of who, who remembers Morton Downey Jr.? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And they were just kind of going for that, you know, really rude, you know, tough approach. And this woman could not deliver lines with a bicycle. She was fucking awful. You know, I mean, there was, it was just standard delivery. There was no inflection. But, I mean, I kind of got where they were going there. I actually, as much as I don't like the the first act and I don't like the second act, I kind of like the second act a little bit more because it just kind of did bring back that whole Martin Downey Jr. thing. Oh, I don't, because you know what did it better? There's an episode of Tales from the Dark Side in which Jerry with Stiller... Martin Downey Jr., yeah, no, that's one of my favorite one, There's one with Jerry Stiller, though, in which he plays like a shock jock. And then I think he dies by the end. And he becomes the shock jock of hell. That was Tales from the Dark Side. Yeah, so I said, that's what I just said. Oh, my God. I am so sorry. I am so tired. Wake up, woman. No, play. Keep going. Don't fall asleep. Believe <laughs> me, I'm, I'm not yet. That was my best Nancy. <laughs> I, I believe the Morton Downey Jr. one was uh, the Haunted House one. He, he, he yeah. debunked the Haunted House. Oh, yeah, that's mm-hmm. one of my favorites. I just love that one. I don't know why. Apparently, I am a child of the 80s. Go figure. But, yeah, I just, I kind of like this part of it better than the fir- than the first half, even though this part was actually more horribly acted. 
I guess I just kind of like the the concept and Weeping Wendy. Oh my God, Weeping Wendy. That's where the next time I'm gonna troll somebody, I'm gonna call myself Weeping Wendy. That shotgun was so plastic; it wasn't even funny, man. It was almost cartoon. Oh, I know. Like something. Yeah, this got, is one of those episodes. Something they got at the just, dollar it, store or something. Yeah, it's just com- completely convoluted. It really is. I really. This is once again the same thing we've we've spoken about every episode. There's just there, everything is broken. The time constraints, you know, a 20, 25 minute thing. These would have been two great episodes, but no, they're mashed in and linked up, and it just turned into utter garbage. And we can talk about the acting, which is non-existent. <laughs> The plot, which is like non-existent, basically too, you know. Yeah, like I, said, I this one, this one was really difficult to watch. Well, yeah, yes and no. There's, there's parts, you know, it, it is mostly Joe Whitlow for me because when she there's, first, when she first introduced, let me tell you, people, okay, she has an ass in these white pants that is unfair for white girls to have because it's just, <laughs> it's just glorious. I don't know if it's some kind of padding or something because if you see her in a and Night of the Creep, she's a very beautiful woman, but that ass is not sticking out nearly as much as it is in this episode. Maybe it was the pants themselves, but it gets two points for just the pants for me, because that's that's hot. <laughs> the Brazilian pants... butt lift pants. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> the Brazilian butt lift pants. The, the pants, <laughs> the pants with that scrunchy and that teased hair, man. Mmm, man. That's a winner for me, man, all day long. But uh, the episode itself... Yeah, Billy is is the new kid on the block. She takes advantage. They have a wild party. They break all their shit. Like she she brings like the worst friends you could possibly bring to a stranger's house ever. It's a real return of living dead situation where she she's like the real goody goody type, but she has all these rowdy friends for no good reason. I yep. guess try, try to earn some points there. I don't know. They 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 break the wine. The stereo goes so loud. They they break the cabinet. It's so fucking stupid. They break all the china. They they're stomping on the. The father's records, like the stepfather's records, and uh, stepfather, of course, who's, who's all about the NRA. He, he is wearing that hunting shirt with the ascot, which points for the ascot too, because ascots are awesome on people. And uh, like, I, I didn't see like they don't show any of the abuse, but you could tell that you know behind closed doors, he's just slapping mom around like nobody's business. It's a real uh, um, Steve Martin, Ellen Green, Little Shop of Horrors vibe, you know. She, she she ran out of the, the, the nitrous oxide and, and beat the fuck out of her and man here he is kids the leader of the plaque oh gosh <laughs> I'm gonna watch that movie now I, just to like wash my mind of this episode like, it goes to nothing like, it keeps going flashing back to different things the bear trap comes to the play like we mentioned stepdad falls on the bear trap I guess he was sleeping too because he has a heart attack behind the wheel because stepmom said be careful with your stepdad he has a bad ticker and, you know, they, you know, she's going back and forth. The whole thing is the mom wanted this house for her son, so she's marrying an asshole to get it. I don't understand this. She's or a gold digger. Oh, yeah, she's a little, little bit. I, no, I don't, I don't think she's a gold digger. She's more like she's settling. It's like, yeah, yeah she says she's, she's had a bad run, you know, but uh, she, she's settling for this man that sort of has money, I guess, because they probably paid about nine grand for this Kruger house in Springwood. It's it's a real fixer up for people, and uh, it it sucks uh, innocent mothers through doors, well, alcoholic mothers, and 
that's that's a bad effect in that first movie. Um, then it goes to the second half of the episode. They did they did that thing that I hate in these episodes. They took a mi- uh, a minor character, which is the mother of Jill Whitlow, who's this you know advice guru on the radio, and she's just, she's of course handled the call the wrong way. Guy calls says that the landlord's a real dick. He wants to kill him. So she says, go ahead and do it, I guess, just to be, like, arrogant and passive. And he does it. And you get calls. This is all done better in other movies and other shows, too. The, the, the kept getting a call from the guy's wife reminded me to watch Creepshow again because all I could think of uh, Upson Pratt getting called by the, the guy that killed himself, the wife. That's all I could think about the, the whole time. Just, <laughs> thinking, just thinking of better things than this movie, than this show. But this is the whole thing that goes nowhere because she she the the daughter is supposedly in trouble because it, it, I didn't mention this the boy tumbles out of his window and, and dies in the driveway that she's committed attempted murder so she's in trouble the mother is the most hated person in Springwood since Freddy Krueger they say so, so she you know d- did this thing in which you know he's uh she's not really in trouble but she is in trouble magically gets her job back. And at the end, this is so fucking stupid. Here comes Whiny Wendy. Remember, was her name? Was, was her name? Weeping Wendy. Weeping, Weeping Wendy, Wendy, which is of course her daughter trying to try to get out this uh, attempted murder vibe, and shoots her with the worst looking shotgun I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I know I look worse than like a toy. It did, and then the end is is like it doesn't like say okay, let's wrap this up because that's where it should have ended, but then it has like this tacked on thing in which they're sitting on a bench together, the mother and the daughter, saying everything's going to be all right, and then it goes to Freddy ripping that woman's head open in the, in the, in the final stinger. I, I don't get why they went that way. They should have just ended it with her getting shot with a shotgun, the smoke, and then there's Freddy. But then they had to add on this thing just to make you hate the episode just a little bit more. And mm-hmm. it's, it's really shit. Really garbage, and I don't recommend this one to watch. It's a definitely a skip. So I, I do, I do like the in the first half in the bedroom scene when, oh, what did the girl say? She's like, I came to borrow whatever, and the mom's like, and you borrowed my son instead. Well, that's hot. No. <laughs> I know. I was like, yeah. oh, hey now, hey now. <laughs> yeah, I just, the first, the first for the first half of this one for me, I just, I, I really don't like anybody. And I started to like girl next door until she invited her asshole friends over. I'm like, wow, you're a cunt. <laughs> and they yeah. destroy his house. It's like yeah, she, she... she invited the motorcycle gang from Weird Science to the house or something just to say, hey, come party, you know. Yeah, I know. Because yeah. it's like, why are you inviting other people over if you're interested in this dude? But yeah, overall, this episode is just structured very weird. Weird is a nice way of putting it. It's, <laughs> it's, I, I, this isn't even a case of like lack of cohesiveness. This is a case of, well, we've got eighty-seven ideas. Let's just mash the shit together and see what happens. Oh, Go! It is a big old pile of crap. It is I a clusterfuck. I'm gonna ask Mike though. Anything else you'd like to say about it? And what is his rating? No, but uh, uh, this is a type of episode you might need even a brand new, even worse rating for. <laughs> it, it really, you really, man. It's really unforgivable for for, the, for it to be this long, and just, <laughs> just to end abruptly like that to say, "Hey, everything's gonna be all right." No, this is just this is stupid. But uh, 
So I take it as a dog piss, re- as a flaming piss resurrection for you. Uh, yes, a flaming piss of I wish you didn't create resurrection because <laughs> I never want this episode resurrected in my memory. Oh God. And it's, it's going to go away real fast, I got a feeling. <laughs> but uh, Suzanne. Like I said, the problem is there are certain elements of the story that I, I really liked. I wish they had actors that could have done the second part right with the, you know, bitchy radio psychologist. But no, it's just, it would. I mean, honestly, I, I think if I went and slapped a tree, I would have gotten a better performance out of it. And this one, yeah, it's, I really want to give it a little higher than, you know, the flaming dog fist resurrection. But most of the cues in this one are unforgivable. There's good points that they just completely piss away. Yeah, mm-hmm. man, it's, it's bad. If I, if I give anything like an MVP this episode, it's Billy. Because, you know, how many times, as a male, Mike, did you do something stupid thinking you're going to get some action? And, you know, yeah. <laughs> there's some, some, some white pants there, man. If anything you, you watched for this episode <laughs> four, it's Billy's acting, Joe Whitlow's wardrobe in this in this uh, this episode, with or without clothes on, and uh, just in the first half, because the second half is garbage. But it, it is... It is a mess. That's why it gets flame piss resurrection for me as well. And uh, that is it for this one. Uh, next episode, hopefully we, we get a much better ride. Much better uh, talking points for the next episode. Mm-hmm. Which from the, this next one, it doesn't sound... It sounds like another one of those ones where it has the connection to the one character and then rambles off. Called Rebel Without a Car. Uh, oh, Jesus Christ. It's about a guy who finds an abandoned muscle car and calls it his ticket out of Springwood. And of course, he has the fate of the previous owner, which, which you know, you, you which is Christine essentially, and then has a mm-hmm. little second part of it. And uh, the uh, next one, uh, which you may have as a premise surprise if she obliges us, Diane Franklin stars in this episode uh, called The Bride Wore Red. Uh, Jessica is a newlywed with deep seated deep seated fears of infidelity. A divorce brought up by her cheating, domineering father. She becomes an avenging angel who seduces and exposes cheating husbands, and the dis- dis- disintegration of her parents' marriage drives her insane. That's kind of a big spoiler, Wikipedia. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> but yeah, we, we've spoken to her before about this, so I, I may hit up Miss Diane Franklin. Maybe she talk about uh, talk about us about the process of making one of these episodes and what her experience was like. That'd be awesome. And, uh... That might be a full interview, but besides the, the Freddy's Nightmares parts, you guys could hear just on the Legion feed. So that should be a good time for all you guys to listen because she's a real sweetheart. But um, yeah. I will kick it to Mike and ask what he has coming up. All right. I got a new. Well, actually, we are recording Fresh Cuts tomorrow on Monster Party, which is available on Shutter for anyone who has seen that. Gary, I think you are slated to join us for that yes sir uh, um no more room in hell should be recording this weekend we're doing a uh, big bad wolves and the treatment and then finally um theme warriors should be recording i think the middle of next week where the theme is uh, uh what is it underdog or movies where the underdog teams lose um a lot of these might be sound familiar because we were 
most of them we were supposed to have recorded already, but uh, it was a horrible second half of April trying to get things scheduled. So it looks like everything's semi back to normal now. So I'm ready to like be done with these episodes. Well, except for the monster party one, that's new, but the other two, I'm ready to just like hurry up and be done with those so I can start prepping for like new stuff. So hopefully those will be out in the next week or so. Mr. Graham still hanging tough with you guys on um, the Norman mm. L. Yep. Uh, Corey is, as far as I know right now, he's good to go for Sunday. So Fair it enough. should be a fun time. Glad. Uh, Suzanne. Um, I do believe the NFW has coming up two of my personal favorites, Dead Snow and Dead Snow 2, Red versus Dead. Very fun. So nice. look forward to them and coming up. We're a few episodes away from episode 300, and we're going to go take a stroll through Phantasm. Cool. Uh, me, Sin Beef Podcast, this show, all my shows pretty much can be heard on legionpodcast.com. <coughs> Sorry, if you haven't heard from that, I, I've been sick the last couple weeks. I haven't been putting nothing out, and uh, that's only a fault of my own, because, you know, between allergies and this fucking sickness, I, I can't. I can't deal, man. Just hot all the time. I'm glad to be cooler tomorrow. Trust me. Maybe I can get some work done. But um, thanks for enduring this with us. Uh, like I said, if you guys want to check this out, I would skip Mother's Day. But a lot of these episodes are currently streaming on Daily Motion, and they have some ads on them. So just keep aware of that. But um, uh, yeah, I yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think someone said that the entire series was on archive.org. Oh, okay. Fair enough. So, so a couple options there. But uh, yeah, this has been the show. We'll see you all again in the boiler room. See you next time. Good night. Every podcast has an Elm Street. <laughs> <laughs>